The scripture lesson is from Daniel, the fifth chapter, beginning at the first verse. King Belshazzar made a great feast for thousands of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king of his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand, and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads his writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in and they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretations. The king, Balthazar, was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are the Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to us its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretations. O king, the Most High, God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty, and because of his greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed, and whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was that of with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the Most High God 
rules the kingdom of mankind, and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of this house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and God, gold and bronze, iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, Mene, Tikel, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tikel, you have weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. This is the word of the Lord. Indeed, he is our King of glory now, and we remember to give him glory as we come to his word and reflect on just what it means for us. As we turn the page to chapter 5 of Daniel this morning, we remember what God is saying to us in these first four chapters as well. And so... Uh, I want to just take a moment as we have these last few weeks and recap just a little bit of that. Here in Daniel, we discovered that in the first four chapters, God's people in exile resolved to remain true and remain true to the one true and holy God. Even while they were continually trying to be redefined by the Babylonian culture around them. And yet somehow in the midst of that struggle, they were able to articulate truth and love, even with respect to their captors, all for the sake of giving glory to God. I can't help but think of what they were doing is what the Apostle Peter told us to do in 1 Peter chapter 3, but in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy. There's that resolve. Honoring the Lord as holy. Always being prepared, Peter writes, to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of your hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Apostle Peter knew, Daniel and his friends knew that to be resolved to honor the Lord as holy and yet continue to share the good news, to give the reason for our hope. And so as we turn the page into chapter 5 with that backdrop, you might think, having just heard that read for us, 
And maybe you read it in advance of today's service, knowing we'd be in chapter 5 today, that the page of this text is somewhat unusual, even strange. Maybe you think it's a page out of the script of the show, The Addams Family, or maybe more recently, the Disney Plus show, Wednesday Addams, with that character of the hand thing, right? This is a strange reading. With the hand of God riding on the wall without a body. What is going on? Well, this chapter may sound strange, but it's an important one. And by the way, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, and we see the evidence for that, and confess it, and believe it, and know it, then he can have the handwriting on the wall. No problem. But even there, I'll share in just a few moments some of the historical backdrop and uh, to show us that this testimony is no imaginary fairy tale, but rather the truth of God's Word. Where we resolve to not be redefined, but to honor the holy name of the Lord And then with respect, but with boldness and truth, give the reason for our hope. And so this chapter compares for us two kings, Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4, as it recounts the story of what happened to him again here in chapter 5, and his response, and now King Belshazzar. This is a good place to stop before we get into that comparison and just give some of that historic background as we study this text. For many years, many wondered with this fantastic story, this fantastic testimony, maybe Belshazzar wasn't even a real person. Maybe he was just imaginary, trying to dismiss a text that seemed hard to understand. But then in 1854, A British consul named J.G. Taylor explored ruins in southern Iraq. And on behalf of the British Museum there, he found evidence, clear proof, that this important person, Belshazzar, did in fact live right in the final days of the kingdom of Babylon. And that in fact... He's no imaginary person at all. But that history testifies to who he is and who he was. It talks about his father being Nabius. Now Nabius is uh, probably his biological father. And what we hear as the text talking about King Nebuchadnezzar as his father here is most likely to tell us about the secession of and succession of leadership from Nebuchadnezzar now to Belshazzar. Although we wonder if Nebuchadnezzar might even still be alive at this point because Belshazzar mentions that uh, when he was willing to reward Daniel later on that he'll give him up to third of the power in his kingdom. Why third and not second? Unless Belshazzar was already in that secondary role. We don't know for sure, but we do know this. 
He is a real person at a real time in history. At a moment in time where he was hosting this very vulgar and sacrilegious party. We know that by the, the unusual combination of guests and not only just taking the elements of worship from God's people, but drinking from them. It was a way of not only elevating his own gods, but spitting in the face of the one true God. And it was all at a time when the Persians were just 50 miles away. Just 50 miles away, as history will report, from overtaking the Babylonian nation. And here, in the midst of all of this, is handwriting on the wall. And proud Belshazzar, who, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, whom in many ways he defamed who went before him, who was humbled when he was found proud and repented, Belshazzar would have none of it. Until he saw the handwriting on the wall and his countenance changed. The color in his face changed. He wanted to know what was going on. He wanted to be in control. It wasn't leading him, sadly, to repentance. And so he went... To like those before him, a pattern repeats here again in Daniel to his enchanters, to his magicians. And guess what? Like in previous chapters, they cannot decipher what's going on. True meaning must come from a one, the one true God locating Meaning, once again, as Daniel shows up on the scene, at first acting as if he doesn't even know who he is, and now somehow knowing, as you heard in the reading, uh, what he'd heard of him, knowing the influence he had on Nebuchadnezzar before him. As Rembrandt uh, displays this scene for us, the king will now find out that he has been found wanting as Daniel comes to speak the truth to him. Now in the midst of this vulgar party trying to find meaning in the midst of this Babylonian culture, we might think, oh, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. Unless we remember that so often in our hearts, since the fall of humanity, even all the way back since Adam and Eve, we have been trying to create ourselves in our own image instead of living in the image of God that He has made us in. We try to, like King Belshazzar, to take control. As one pastor put it, we'll think Things like life only has meaning or I only have worth if I have mastery over this section of my life. That's a control idolatry, he'll write. Or people are dependent on me. They need me. That's what gives me meaning. That becomes a, as good as it is to help others. A helping idolatry we use as a means of our own salvation. Or 
I'm free from obligations and responsibilities now. And so then I celebrate that and my own independence and make that my idol. Or I'm being recognized for my accomplishments and all that I can do in my work. And it becomes an achievement idol. We may not be throwing parties like Belshazzar did. Although there are those who do that yet still today. We might not be as sacrilegious, at least in our outward appearance as he was. But in our hearts, we are often trying to make ourselves out into our own image instead of the image of God. And sadly, when Belshazzar's countenance was changed and he heard the law proclaimed truthfully, given the reason for our hope from the one true God from Daniel, the result, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, was not repentance. It's hard for us to sometimes remember, for me to remember, for all of us to remember, that when we give the reason for our hope faithfully as God commands, the results are always left to the Lord. Our faithfulness in response to God to give the reason for our hope does not put the control of the results into our hands. Our call is to love and trust the Lord as Daniel did, a resolve to remain true to Him, to not be redefined, and then to give that reason for the hope. And He does it boldly here. And so we're invited in our walk with Christ to pray boldly, to trust completely, and come humbly, as we heard in 1 Peter, with gentleness and respect to give the reason for our hope. The handwriting on the wall, in this case, in Daniel, is a strong word that you have been found wanting. It's the same word that God gives us when He reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God for Christ Jesus, our Lord, who comes to give us eternal life. This handwriting on the wall should point us to the need for the gospel. For Belshazzar, he would die in his own pride. For us, will we see the handwriting on the wall and turn towards Jesus? And then will we, like Daniel, boldly share it in all the corners of our lives and the vocation that God has given us? You know, it's interesting, except in this one chapter, in chapter 5, when we hear about the hand or the finger of God in the Bible, it's almost always about an act of grace or mercy or goodness that He's doing. Here the finger of God is pointing to truth again. One scholar, Ellis, noted in chapter 11 of Luke's Gospel, after chapter 10, after the 70 had been sent out and the results would be left to the Lord and their job was just to remain faithful. In chapter 11, we hear this phrase in Luke 
11, verse 20. But if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here again, the finger of God is casting out evil and bringing God's kingdom. Interestingly enough, how our king will do that is by going to a cross, giving up his glory for our sake. The finger of God is bringing about his kingdom. The results are left to him. You and I are called to respond by faithfully sharing it. Called to respond through repentance. Even in the former days of old, I'll read from 1 Peter again later in the chapter. When they did not obey, talking about the days of Noah, when God's patience waited then, while at the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is the power of God who brings about the results through His promise. Can the world see the handwriting on the wall through our proclamation? Can they experience the grace of the finger of God, the Word calling us to repent and then to share that promise? Can we boldly pray and do what God calls us to do and leave the results to the Lord. Friends, we are in being invited again to remember an important truth here in chapter 5. Through faithful resolve, through gentleness and respect, through repentance, we respond faithfully to the Lord and leave the results to Him. May we be shaped not in our image, but His. May we respond to the writing on the wall by coming to the gospel of our salvation and sharing that truth and giving that reason to the world around us. Amen.